never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows everybody had that one friend that thought the Blair Witch Project was real. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening, along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. How's it Here. going, man? Uh, pretty good. How about yourself? Um, well, it's been a week, but I actually have gotten a chance to watch a couple things, so I'm not coming in empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> did you did you find uh, did you watch definitive YouTube videos proving the Blair Witch isn't real? <laughs> uh, no, I just thought it was funny because I was like, we. All have like, there was a point all of us were like, "Is this real?" <laughs> for sure, for sure. We we all had that moment. So, so yeah. Um, well, how's your week, man? <clears throat> it's been pretty good. Um, I actually had like a crazy sort of like pop culture related run in, but I don't know okay. if I should save that for watching and reading or just jump into it. <laughs> I didn't know if you had any business it, jump into it and make a clever segue. <laughs> Very good, very good. We'll we'll fix this in post. It'll be uh, smooth as a whistle, because that's a phrase. Um, okay, so, no, uh, over the weekend, I actually ran into uh, Pedro, who, uh, <laughs> Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite, or I guess I should say Efren Ramirez, the guy who plays Pedro. Um, my family ran into him on the street over the weekend, and it was really weird, but um, basically what happened is... Uh, we went out to eat. Um, it was just like me, my wife, the kid, and my uh, parents-in-law. We went out to eat uh, at this new restaurant that's in town or in town by me. And uh, right next to the restaurant, there's a theater, and it's like a proper theater where they do live shows and stuff. And they do movies sometimes. But on the marquee, it said for that event there or that day, there was an event called Napoleon Dynamite Live. And none of us knew what that meant. We had no idea what it was. But it was one of those things where after we ate and we were walking by the car, you know, walking back to the car, um, we were talking about Napoleon Dynamite because that was just like really big on the marquee, like Napoleon Dynamite Live. And we were talking about the movie. And then this guy walks by us, looks over and kind of smiles and goes, I hear it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> to which we all look up. And it's Efren Ramirez, the guy who plays, plays Pedro, who said that to us. And then uh, my mother-in-law just yells, Pedro? <laughs> to which then he he kind of says something like, oh, I got to I gotta hurry. I'm in a rush. And he starts walking down the street. And then my mother-in-law starts chasing him down the street, asking for a picture. So then he starts running. And he seemed like super cool and friendly. So I think he legit was running late. But uh, what I found out is this event that I had no idea was going on was basically like a 
traveling like improv slash comedy show with uh john heater efren ramirez and uh the guy who played uncle rico and i had no idea and this is literally within a mile of my house this is going on and uh it was just crazy and it was one of those things it kind of sucks like we weren't able to talk to to the guy or get any pictures but it was really funny and really cool and he did seem genuinely cool and like he was late I think if he wasn't cool, he wouldn't have said like, hey, I hear it's a great movie. But that was literally the craziest thing that happened to me this week. So that was awesome. <laughs> um, dude, that is a phenomenal story. I've gotten a, ch- <laughs> I've gotten a chance to meet. Uh, I, got, I met Nicolas Cage that way. Oh, really? I, yeah, I ran, I, into him I, ran into him, I ran into him at a Walgreens. Um, <laughs> it was downtown Chicago. Um, I stopped in a Walgreens to grab like a Gatorade because I was there with friends and it was just kind of like, um, uh, it was, we were there with friends and I just ran in to get a Gatorade or whatever because it was just hot and I needed something to drink. And I'm like standing there staring at the gum waiting to pay because that's what you do when you're waiting to pay. And nice. <laughs> there's a guy that like appears next to me to like get in line and you glance up and then you glance back to the gum and then you do a double take. <laughs> And then really That's quietly, great. I was like, are you Nicolas Cage? And he's like, yeah. And I go, dude, big fan. What are you doing in Chicago? <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, and he's like, oh, I'm shooting a scene a couple blocks down if you want to come watch. And I'm like, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I left. I left the Walgreens, saw my friends and was like, dude, we are going this way. Uh, change of plans. We're going this way. So we go down a couple blocks and they were shooting the parade scene for Weatherman. Oh, okay. Right, right. It was, I'm like, I just, it was completely random. And then um, the Borders bookstore that I worked in, uh, Keanu Reeves came in and ordered a coffee. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I got to meet Keanu Reeves that way. And it was weird um, because he had a girl with him that was very protective of her face, like doing the uh, the scarf, big hat, sunglasses kind of thing. I gotcha, yeah. And, uh, I was like the only person who had the you know guts to say, hey, I'm a big fan. Nice to meet you. That kind of thing. And it was I was just kind of really like chill about it. And um, he thanked me and what he's like, thanks, man. Nice to meet you, too. And I was and I asked him, I said, what are you doing in Aurora? <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're shooting, a, we're shooting a movie. And he pointed in a direction. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. I go, I'll uh, keep an eye out for whatever you got coming next. He's like, appreciate it. And he got in the car with the girl and left. About six months or so later, they dropped the trailer for uh, The Lake House with him and Sandra Bullock. And I'm like, that's got to be what they were shooting. So is that what they were shooting, though? They had it has to be because I found out later Ah. the movie was shot in Aurora. (laughs) So I'm just trying to think of like you think Aurora and you don't think Lake House. (laughs) I know it was. Well, I I might be I might have the title of the movie wrong because that's the one it's the one where uh, the mailbox was the time machine. Um, right, right. I just, I in my mind, up. that movie seems more scenic than, like, Aurora, Illinois is. <laughs> but right. But maybe I need the, to watch the movie again and see well, what Well, those, <laughs> those are my two meet celebrity on a street corner stories. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's funny because um, <clears throat> we go to, like, so many comic conventions and stuff, and after a while, you kind of get desensitized to, like, 
just seeing celebrities. Like I remember at one point I just like waved and said hi to uh, Lori Petty at a comic convention just because I, you know, I'd seen Tank Girl a million times. I'd seen Point Break. I just felt like I knew her and was just that comfortable to just say hi to her. And I think like there's something it's just weird, like the difference between you go to a Comic-Con, celebrities aplenty everywhere you go, and you kind of, like, stop caring. But when it happens in real life, it's, like, that much more of a cooler level. You know, it's it's to the point where you're not paying an extra fee to see them. It's just kind of more like one of those lucky coincidences that you happen to stumble upon this famous person. And it always makes for a cool story. So, uh, yeah. yeah, really fun stuff. All right. Well, speaking of famous people, what did you watch this week? <laughs> Sure thing. It sounds like I've probably watched less than you. Um, I've still been uh, kind of watching through Mythic Quest on Apple TV. Sure. Still loving that show. I'm about halfway through the second season. And uh, when I talked about the show last week, I mentioned how they do a flashback episode in the first season. Yeah. And how usually I don't like those sort of flashback departures when you're watching like a serialized TV story. But Mythic Quest does such a great job with it. And actually, I got to the point in the second episode where they go through the flashback episode. And I didn't know that uh, this was going to be something for every season, but apparently it is. And these flashback episodes are honestly so good and engaging. And that's what I think is uh, is awesome about it. So like the second season, they go through C.W. Longbottom's uh, backstory, if you're yeah. familiar with that character in the show. And it's really entertaining. It's really funny. But it's just kind of like an interesting backstory of kind of like this like struggling young writer back in like I don't know if it was I want to say like 70s or something like that like back in the day but uh it was just such a good like it felt like I was just watching a really good indie movie about the creative process but it just happened to be in this (laughs) workplace sitcom that I've been watching so that was great and then I just started the next episode after that before we started recording and I won't say much because I was only able to watch like the first scene or so of that uh that very next episode but the way it starts out is really hilarious because it starts out with Rachel talking talking to CW as she's driving him to go visit one of his friends from the previous episode, like one of his friends from his dis- distance past. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what, what he says yeah. his goal is to do when they get there is so <laughs> jarring and hilarious that I just like I was I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> you haven't gotten to the first COVID episode, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've passed that. I did see the um, so Goldberg. that was like, yeah, the Rube Goldberg thing. That was pretty cool. And I honestly I don't think anybody's done that before, and I don't really know why. <laughs> well, I love the I love the bit where they like they pass each other the chip via Zoom. Like, do you want a chip? Yeah, and she holds the bag off screen so the girl can grab the chip. Like, you know, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of clever. And then the other tester who nobody likes, um, or who the two girls are like, oh, it's this guy again. Um, <laughs> he's like, we can do it better, and they're like, how? And he goes here. And he sets up the toilet paper and the <laughs> the chip bag, and he's like, poke the side of your screen, and she pokes it, and then it rolls, and she's like, okay, that was better, and then it like spawns into this massive thing. Yeah. But I yeah, also that, love that, that was great. I also love how they're screaming because CW's not on, and like, yeah. no, get on, get on, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's gonna ruin it. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. Great stuff. Um, so is that all you really watched? No big deal. Oh, that's 
the the only other thing which i can't say too much about this yet but um i started watching fool me once on uh netflix that's like the next thing i'm gonna tackle oh sweet yeah so this is a reason um, there's a reason that's the next thing i'm gonna tackle so go ahead well so this is one of those uh netflix like harlan corbin mystery Mm -hmm. shows like i've watched a number of these shows that are from like harlan corbin's books and uh, they're always like really good and they're always like you jump in and you're delivered like some amazing premise and then you just binge through it in a couple days and it just feels so cool while you're watching and that's basically what the vibe is for this one um i'm not gonna spoil too much outside of the first episode but Basically, the plot is you see um, this woman who is uh, dealing with the tragic death of her husband. You see her go to her husband's funeral and stuff like that. And um, after dealing with that, um, one of her friends decides to set up a nanny cam in her house. And it's basically so she can keep an eye on her daughter or I guess an eye on the nanny watching her daughter while she's away at work. And uh, she's re-watching the nanny cam footage and she sees her husband, her dead husband. She sees him in the house. Okay. And that's where the mystery starts. She's, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. It, and that's all in the trailer, by the way. So you didn't. OK, it. cool. That's all. Everything you just said is in the trailer. So that shouldn't have spoiled literally anything. Yeah, that's yeah. OK, that's awesome. Because that's like that's all that I want to say. But it's just one of those things like, is she going crazy? Is there more to the story? Did his death happen? is anybody else in on some weird conspiracy? And uh, what I love about these shows is they always do a good job of giving you so many threads and you'll have like a theory for half an episode of like, oh no, I actually think this guy is up to this thing over here. And then by the end of the episode, you think it's something completely different. And uh, I think I'm like three or four episodes into that that series, but uh, it's been pretty great so far. So I'm I'm interested to see what you say about this one drew um why was this on your watching list though well because it looked it just looked good and i was like oh nice this looks looks good i'm gonna (laughs) check it out but the reason um are you done with your watching and reading yes yes all right the reason it's the next thing on my go is because i was so close to the end of for all mankind and i was like i want to finish that before i start something new um okay cool so i finished for all mankind and it was fantastic um for all mankind uh there's four seasons out right now the whole show is amazing um but i'll say that uh uh there's another season coming it just got the filming of it got pushed they they never started filming because of the strike so now the strike's over they can resume filming which is great but um the show as is has been amazing so now that it's done i can uh i was going to jump on uh, fool me once Uh, but really good um, in my, uh, in my interim of just stuff around the house and background noise and stuff, I've, um, I've inadvertently started a rewatch of Stargate because why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that series. So, yeah. um, I was just, why not? And, uh, it's been fun. Um, I don't need to go too in depth into it. I would love, I have this really cool idea for like a Stargate podcast um, I don't know if I'll ever do it, but it's just a cool idea for one. And I would roll really well into like our top five mentality because I have an idea in my head about how I do it. Maybe you and I can talk offline about that just for fun. But <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, but, um, I think it'd be really cool because I would want to find someone who'd never like I've seen the show in its entirety. So it'd be a rewatch for me. 
but I would want a co-host who's never seen the show. So it's a first watch for them. So it becomes a first watch rewatch podcast in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and then I have like a top five idea, which is really cool. But um, yeah, I could just tell you that for fun offline. Just that doesn't have to be a thing. I don't know if we'll ever I'll ever pull the trigger on something like that. But <laughs> anyway, fun stuff. At any rate, the other thing that I watched was uh, Attack of the Dock. Um, oh, sick. What do you think G4, of it? The, G4, the G4 documentary. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, awesome. I thought it was interesting how I know I watched, I think, at least I felt like I watched every episode of the show, but I also wasn't sure if I watched every episode of the show. And then as I watched this documentary, I'm like, no, 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 no. I seriously think I watched every episode of the show. <laughs> every episode um, of Attack of the Show? I seriously think I did as I was <laughs> watching this documentary. <laughs> because I made it like I would get home from work and I would like I, I was working out fairly heavily while the show was on. And I would come home from work and I'd work out while I watched the show. Nice. And I seriously think in the midst of it, I watched every single episode of that show because I, I'm like, I remember that and I remember that and I remember that. And like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like ever I was like, oh, my God, like, so I'm not 100 percent. But, yeah, I might have actually watched every episode of that show. <laughs> but the <That's> documentary awesome. <laughs> was absolutely fantastic. I had so much fun watching it. Uh, take me down memory lane, that kind of stuff. Um, but I love how I love at the end how they talked about how. All of us who are YouTubers and podcasters and streamers and stuff, we've basically picked up the reins where Attack of the Show left off and have continued on almost in their legacy. It's like they started they started all of us down this path. And I thought that was awesome the way they put that at the end, Um, because I'm like, yeah, like you guys are part of the reason why we're here and do this show, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what's crazy about that, they they touch on it a little bit in the documentary, how um, Kevin Pereira was like one of the like original podcasters, like we're talking like early Internet stuff, like he used to do like podcast shows. And I don't even know if they were called podcasts at that point, but then he becomes the host of this huge pop culture show that introduced like geek culture to the world and stuff. And now we're living in like the post world of that, where it's, you have thousands of YouTubers and podcasters to choose from. And, (laughs) you know, hopefully you're listening to us, but you don't have to only listen to us. And uh, it's really awesome. uh, The sort of indie spirit of it all and how there's so many options and stuff out there it's just it's just so cool so um i'm glad you really liked this documentary um did you have any like other super specific points you wanted to talk about or not really it's just i was like it just felt like i was going down memory lane and there were Mm -hmm. parts where they would flash dates and they'd have episodes air and i was like i know exactly where i was at that point in my life i know exactly what was going on at that point in my life you know just it was really interesting um, however, because it's something you can watch on, uh, YouTube, um, now my YouTube feed has G4 videos popping up, which is kind of, <laughs> That's so awesome. like the four hour Halo three countdown episode, um, popped, oh, weird. popped up on my YouTube. I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but I was like, holy cow, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know, but that's, uh. But yeah, that's uh, the next uh, piece of the puzzle, you know? <laughs> right uh, on. <laughs> anyway, you want to talk news tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. So some of this is quick. 
I have a couple long ones. Um, so we'll cover the we'll cover the first one. Uh, Oscar nominations are in, which means Peter and I are an inching closer to our yearly mm. favorite movies of the year list. Um, so the Oscars air on March 10th. Um, so once the Oscars have aired and we've all know what the best picture is, Peter and I will sit down and have our favorite movies from 2023 conversation. Um, I'm not going to read through all of the Oscar nominations because that you don't want to sit and listen to me list all this stuff off, but I am, but here are your best picture, um, movies of the year. Um, American now, by the way, I was looking at this and there's only like two movies on this list that I don't know what they are. Um, which is okay. not, which is every now and then there's that Oscar year where you're like, what are these movies? <laughs> there's mm-hmm. only two on this list that I don't know what they are. Um, so we have American Fiction, uh, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, um, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Those are your Best Picture uh, nominations. Um, and then um, I don't want to not to go on a list, but Christopher Nolan got his very first Best Director nomination, which I thought was fantastic. So when you think about his film library you know what i mean so i i think that's absolutely insane that that's, he hasn't that's gotten that first one right. yes that is absolutely insane and like i get it like um so like you know the dark knight movies like we've talked in the past the oscars don't necessarily judge like sci-fi genre superhero stuff in as high of regard as like other films but like you want to talk about like inception the prestige like so many of his films like interstellar um you know what you're right exactly so that's insane but that's long deserved obviously (laughs) long deserved um so yeah there's that um is this oh my my favorite part of the sorry just one more thing my favorite part of the oscars being announced is the amount of bitching that everybody's doing it online (laughs) because all i'm seeing is people complaining about like Margot Robbie wasn't nominated Best Actress. Uh, So-and-so didn't get this. Like, Saltburn wasn't nominated for this. And it's just kind of like, it's kind of funny, but also kind of tedious how much people are complaining, you know, just because their favorite movie didn't get whatever. (laughs) I have a ton of thoughts on this. And if I really wanted to go into it, I'm not going to, but if I really wanted to go into it, it would probably be the rest of the show. Nice. Um, So if you really want to have that, if you really want to do that episode, Let's talk about it beforehand because I have a lot of thoughts okay. on it because I've been thinking about it because of all the internet stuff going on. I've been thinking about it heavily. I'm still kind of economizing my thoughts a little bit, but I have a lot of opinions on this. But the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is you got to remember that this is an award show. Film is art. It is an art form, which means it's subject subjective, incredibly subjective. The movies you love might not be the same movies that the that are loved by the voters and the mm-hmm. voters are the people who work in the industry so they're looking at it for different reasons avengers endgame makes a billion dollars that doesn't mean it's the best picture movie just because you make a billion dollars at the box office for a good run doesn't make you the best picture a lot of people went and saw it doesn't make it a best picture do you know what i mean yeah, by by that logic, like half of the Transformers movies would have been on the best like, picture. <laughs> absolutely. So that's there's you got to remember that this is an art form and it's subjective. Um, 
the director, the best director category is the most, is the weirdest category when you look at what is required of mending meaning to be a best director. It's bizarre um, in terms of how they view that. So um, the way I look at it is if you want to do the big Oscar combination conversation and how it works and my opinions on like the snubs and not snubs and all that stuff, we can do that. I just want to save it for another show because otherwise that would have been the entire show tonight. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, stuff. no top five. That's going to be the entire show. You're just going to listen to Drew explain this. Uh, Time Magazine years ago released a really cool article about how the voting process works. And it really kind of opened my eyes in terms of how the Oscars um, function and uh, crazy. So it was it just made me look at it weird. And you also got to remember this. The only reason we have a best picture is because it's an award show. You have to pick one. But yeah, as long as you make the list, you're the best of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of how you got to look at it. So it's like, um, you know, uh who who do I not think is going to uh, win? Um, let me see. Holdovers, in my opinion, probably won't win. Why not? They could. The movie might be amazing, but it made the list. You know what I mean? It's a best picture. Yeah. You know, A Few Good Men made the list. Didn't win, but it made the list, meaning it's a good, it's a best picture. So you got to mm-hmm. look at it that way. Um, because it's a award show, they have to pick one. Anyway, moving on, because otherwise I'm going to be on this all night. Well, I just one last thing on the Oscars. Sure. The other way you got to look at it is in a couple of years, we'll all be able to watch our own AI Oscars where just all of your favorite movies oh, will win geez. and you won't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Anyways, carry on. Yeah. All right. Um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Mission Impossible Part One Dead Reckoning has been officially retitled. Um, there was grumblings i heard after the movie released in theaters it probably been like a couple weeks after the movie released they were talking about how no it was after the movie left theaters they were talking about how they weren't sure if the dead reckoning title fit the eighth film the way they were hoping it to because they shot both they shot them back to back and then like split them apart but there was like i guess sources for like people who are closely associated with the movie were saying that they're concerned dead reckoning doesn't fit the eighth movie so they were thinking about changing the title and I was like, well, that really messes up the part one, doesn't it? Well, now part one has been removed from the title of the film, and it's just Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which means I have a Blu-ray that's now a collector item. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. All right. Um, John Stewart returns to The Daily Show to host. I thought this was awesome. I loved The Daily Show back in the day when Jon Stewart hosted. Um, he is going to be returning uh, starting in February. Yeah. Starting in February, he will be hosting once a week on Monday night through the 2024 election. Um, yeah. So every, so every Monday he will be doing The Daily Show through the 2024 election. Awesome. And this this is cool because not only, like, he had, like, a legendary run on that show, but he's mm-hmm. also... Um, He's also returning, and we're going to see, I think, The Daily Show. Um, I don't think it's been as much of a pop cultural force as it maybe should be, like, the last so many years. And I think we might, re- just because of the gravitas of Jon Stewart, I think that might return a little bit. And it's also one of those things where even if you don't watch The Daily Show, 
you're still going to see a lot of clips. And that'll be really cool to uh, see and discuss with people and stuff like that. And just like we were saying with uh, Attack of the Show, the political landscape and not we don't I'm not not going to go into politics, but just the way that YouTubers and podcasts and stuff factor into that. That's going to be really interesting, too, to see how Jon Stewart returning, how he factors into this new sort of like podcast YouTuber landscape we're in. So I'm really interested in that. So that's uh, <laughs> again not going into politics, but that's kind of what I'm interested to see out of this whole thing. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Um yeah, well, do you remember, um, so back when Jon Stewart hosted, uh, John McCain, Senator John McCain, came on the show to do an interview. And he said while he was on the show that The Daily Show is his favorite news program. And Jon Stewart laughed at him and goes, what are you talking about, dude? We like to make fun of the news. He goes, you guys make fun of the news, but you deliver actual news. You're not bought out by media. <laughs> he's like, you are not bought out by media conglomerations. You're not owned by right. like other companies you're not looking for political gain you guys are just reporting the news which makes you more of a reliable news source than most news sources yeah and that made me realize so when i watch like john oliver like last week tonight with john oliver and you watch it it's so much of it's non-biased because they're going to talk about it but they're going to make a joke along the way and they're going to talk some more and then they're going to make a joke around, along the way so John Oliver came from The Daily Show, so I think it's amazing that Jon Stewart's coming back to do this through the election. So we'll see how it shakes up, you know? Yeah, right uh, on. Anyway, um, the Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. This, I thought, was awesome. Director uh, Gil Cannon uh, discussed the in inspirations for the new movie. He revealed that the 80s animated series The Real Ghostbusters and its wild original uh, as... And it's wild, original, and weird as F villains informed the Frozen Empire's creatures. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think that's great that they broke, that they took took a look at that. You know what I mean? Like, you're a much bigger Ghostbusters fan than I am, I think. But what do you think about that? So, I actually, I think I've seen this, and I thought that was really cool. And I think, the reason I think that's cool is because when you watch the trailer for um, Frozen Empire it does kind of feel like one of those uh, 80s animated series episodes. Like the whole city of New York is frozen and you have this crazy looking villain that we don't even know what it looks like. What we know his silhouette is so unique and stuff. And uh, it really did feel cartoony, but in a really epic sort of way. So I'm, I'm really loving this and I'm kind of seeing, I'm looking forward to seeing the zany aspects of it like how everything plays out you know yeah no and i i i can't wait like i can't wait to see the movie in general but i just thought it was great because i loved that cartoon but the, the fact that they used that for the um you know yeah absolutely. Uh, that is inspiration i thought was fantastic um what am i where am i at sorry i changed a window when i was when you were talking because i was look trying to look at another news story um Okay, did you watch the trailer for um what's it called? Uh did you watch the trailer for the new Indiana Jones video game? Oh, I still haven't watched it yet. I'm sorry. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the game looks amazing and you're going to watch it and you're going to think to yourself, "Why is it taking this long for us to get this video game?" Oh my god, it looks astounding. It's called Indiana Jones uh and the and the Great Circle. Um it mm. takes place now if you think now, if you want to know where does this take place in the Indiana Jones timeline, you got to remember 
that per timeline, chronological timeline, Temple of Doom comes first, then Raiders, then Last Crusade, and then the other two. Mm-hmm. This movie, Indiana Jones and the Great Circle, takes place between Raiders and Last Crusade. Cool. Okay. okay? When they started doing um, the Clone Wars animated series and the idea of doing the Star Wars animated series, the Clone Wars, and like finding voice actors to play some of these legacy characters, like who's going to play Obi-Wan and all this stuff and get the voices right. The one that was talked about heavily in like fan communities was what if they did this with animation for um, the original trilogy characters? Who could do the voice of Han Solo? Because that's an incredible, Harrison mm-hmm. Ford is an incredibly difficult voice to do. Um, well, the whoever voiced it, how about this? At the time I saw the trailer, I didn't know, but the voice sounds amazing. And I'm like, whoever put this together, dude, kudos to you. Turns out it's Troy Baker from Last of Us and several of the DC films, because he basically took over the Joker after Mark Hamill left. And like, right. like Troy Baker is fantastic. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. So me being a fan of voice actors, I thought that was amazing, but seriously, go watch the trailer for Indiana Jones and and the great circle. It looks so fantastic. And I hope it's, I I hope it's as good as that trailer looks. So, um, check it out. Yeah, I'll have to check it out soon. And this one's going to be cool because it's weird. We haven't gotten an Indiana Jones video game like this yet, but We've had like decades of Tomb Raider games, and uh, I'm interested to see in seeing how people talk about how they stack up against each other. Like, how does this Indiana Jones game compare to the last Tomb Raider? You know, that'll be kind of interesting to see. Or um, what's the other one? Um, oh, crap. Un- Uncharted. That's like another kind of Indiana Jones-esque thing that yeah. you could compare it to. Yeah. Um, all right. There's a new Jurassic World movie in the works. Because why not? Um, <laughs> they're deep into development of a new Jurassic World movie, and David Kep or Coep, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, who is writing, he is the original writer for the original film script from 1993. So the first Jurassic oh, cool. Park. So he's the original writer from back then. So let's see how it plays out. Um, why not? Jurassic Park's always fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. Okay. DC's search for their Supergirl for the James Gunn DCU um, has been narrowed down to Meg Donnelly, who I looked her up because I didn't recognize the name. She voices Supergirl in a ton of animated stuff for DC. So I feel like she's I feel like she's got a little bit of a leg up, but she's also from a lot of Disney stuff like um, the high school musical television show. The the made for TV zombies films from Disney and that kind of thing. Zombies is like horror high school musical if you will um but <laughs> right but disney fied so don't think it's like a zombie movie before you're like ooh, zombies what's that um so it's down to her <laughs> it's down to her and miley alcock from uh house of the dragon who played young oh Rhaenyra, right who played young rhaenyra now i've been thinking about this if i i don't know meg donnelly that well um, because I can't really like place her in terms of like acting, but I just looked at her picture and then looked at, you know, but, and I know Miley Alcock from Game of Thrones, um, looking at the two of them personally, if I had any say in this, I'd probably go with Miley Alcock because one, I think she's a fantastic actress, but I think she looks more of the part, like just in her face than Meg Donnelly does, but that's mm-hmm. me. 
You know what I mean? Just in the face, I think she looks more of the part. But we're also talking about a cartoon character that we're trying to make live action. So anyway, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts, but they've narrowed it down to two. I have a feeling by the time we sit down next week, we will know who Supergirl is. So, <laughs> Which is awesome. I think it, they both seem to be really good um, choices. Like, I really liked... Um, Miley Alcock, is that what you said her name yep. was from uh, I think House that, of the I Dragon? I think that's how you pronounce it. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's, um, it's, if you spell it out the way you said it, it's exactly how you'd think to spell it. So. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, she's obviously a great actress, so definitely a good choice. But then you have um, the other, the other choice. Uh, I mean, you can't argue if she's done the voice of Supergirl in a number of things. She might already have an affinity for this character and stuff like that. So you can't really argue with that. So it seems like both of them would be good choices. And um, there's a lot of things, just kind of as a side note, there's we're all kind of cautiously optimistic about James Gunn's DCU and how is this going to play out and what is uh, Superman legacy going to be like. And uh, lately online, I've been seeing people share a lot of clips of uh, a lot of like the uh, Adam Warlock clips from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three and some of those action shots and people just saying, like, now imagine James Gunn doing this with Superman. And it's kind of made me come around a little bit where I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be so badass. Like, these visuals are going to be great. And, like, I mean, last episode we were talking Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder did lay that blueprint for, uh, you know, Superman visuals in kind of like the 21st century or however you want to phrase it. But I think James Gunn is going to take that baton and he's going to give us some really cool stuff. And going back to like those Adam Warlock scenes in Guardians 3 where he's flying through the air and uh, fighting different characters and stuff, it just has gotten the wheels turning in my head. And I just think it's it's going to be pretty badass. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you brought up the Superman thing because I'm really confused about something. Um, oh, interesting. Apparently. So James Gunn's doing this whole thing and he's talking about how everything's canon. He's talking about everything's going to fit together, all that stuff. And he was talking about, you know, Superman legacy is a thing. And, you know, we got the Supergirl movie we got the Batman movie. We have creature commandos and, you know, the lineup he gave us. Right. Well, apparently the J.J. Abrams black Superman film is still in development. OK. OK. And it's still it's still and, and apparently it's not going to be a part of the James Gunn thing. Here's yeah. my confusion. They're going to do the black Superman thing, which doesn't have anything to do with James Gunn's DCU timeline. They're going to do the Batman two Matt Reeves Batman universe, which has nothing to do with the James Gunn timeline, <laughs> except for the one Arkham show that's going to. But the Penguin show is not. If we're going to do those and we're not going to have the Snyderverse, what? Like, do like, and I'm not trying to advocate for Zack Snyder, but like, what? Like, I'm just really kind of confused. Like, <laughs> that is a good like, call with the Snyder like, cut. We're then. going to, we're going to end this over here because the studio exists didn't like it. Fine. Whatever. We can move past. We can discuss. But we didn't like this, so we're going to stop it. We're going to bring James Gunn in, who's going to say, all of this is now canon, and we're rolling in this new thing. We have a timeline built out. We've been working really hard. 
but we're still going to have these couple things floating over here. So if you're going to have these couple things floating, why are we, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how, like, this is one where I haven't put a lot of thought into other than the question mark that's been floating over my head all week waiting to come to the microphone. So I think, I think that's a really good call. Like why? Because like, yeah, I, at first, because you were talking about it and like, why is J.J. Abrams Superman movie going to be like this Elseworlds storyline? But then, you know, we do have the Matt Reeves Batman. We have uh, we're getting a Joker, too, which uh, is fine. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. But you think about the original Joker movie and that felt like a one and done more than like anything else like that felt like a really cool, concise movie. And they could have left it at that. And you're right, like we have the Snyderverse, we have Jack's or Zack Snyder's Justice League that ends with like this sort of like impending uh, invasion of Darkseid and stuff. It ends on like this huge cliffhanger with so much uh, potential storyline there. And I think that's a really good call. Like, why are you giving us all of this and not that and knowing that Zack Snyder's over at Netflix and he's doing great stuff like Rebel Rebel Moon I almost want to say Warner Brothers do it like license the Snyder Cut movies license the DCEU to Netflix to be put together by Zack Snyder and release those to streaming and then you won't even have the confusion of like going to the theater and wondering which superman movie is which you know <laughs> which version of the dc am i going to see because like maybe the snyder cut stuff could be released straight to streaming and that could be that delineation that you need there so yeah i don't know i don't <laughs> i don't have any answers to why but it does that is a good question like why are they ignoring uh the snyder verse yeah i don't know but we'll see if it actually happens um, all right. Henry Cavill dropped a quote about the Warhammer show. Um, this look, this quote made me really happy to hear. Um, and I'm excited for the Warhammer show more and more. The more I hear about it, the more excited I am. Um, Henry Cavill said the following. I have loved Warhammer since I was a boy, making this moment truly special for me. The opportunity to shepherd this cinematic universe from its inception is quite the honor and the responsibility. I couldn't be more grateful for all the hard work put in by Vertigo, Amazon, and Games Workshop to make this happen. One step closer to making a, uh, a nigh-on-lifelong dream come true. Hmm. Um, I love this because Henry Cavill is incredibly passionate, and he's going to get this done, and I feel like he's going to be the guy going, I shepherded this to get this going, and you're all going to listen to me on how to do this right. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to talk to Games Workshop. And if they're not doing something right, he's going to go, let's see what the Games Workshop guys say. You know what I mean? They created this. Let's go talk to them. <laughs> like, we're not – like, I think he learned enough of a lesson with franchise stuff that he's like, nope, we're talking to the masters. You don't get to tell me we're talking to these guys. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and you hear about how, like, um, like the showrunners for uh, The Witcher on Netflix didn't like that Henry Cavill was too familiar and too passionate with the source material, so he would start to question stuff that they would change. And uh, I know, like, hearing that, I think about, like, how Ryan Reynolds has, like, strong-armed, like, the devil, or the Deadpool movies. The devil, to, yep. Yeah. Strong-armed the devil. That's why he doesn't <laughs> <I've> no age. <laughs> No idea why I just said that. 
<laughs> but uh, how he strong-armed the Deadpool movies into existence and working closely with the writers and uh, even working with, like, Rob Liefeld as a creator and stuff. And I feel like maybe that's what Henry Cavill needs to do since he's so passionate about the source material he works with. He needs yeah. to work on, like, maybe these smaller lesser known things like Warhammer. So from the ground up, he can have a creative hand in how they're developed and then, uh, you know, make the magic that way. And as, and as opposed to having like your corporate overlords telling you everything to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, here's someone who has, we go from Henry Cavill to Pablo Schreiber, who is tired of arguing with fans. You know who Pablo Schreiber is? Um, maybe <laughs> he is the, he's the actor who plays the master chief on the show. Oh, OK. Um, it's very clear that this guy is not happy with uh, fans because, again, people are whining and moaning about the master chief taking his helmet off. Now, I have come to a specific type of terms with this because I being a long diehard Halo fan, I understand that the master chief should never take his helmet off. And I also understand that maybe you can get away with it under certain circumstances. However, when you have in the first season, the Master Chief puts the helmet on to get in the Warthog, drives the Warthog to where he's got to go, gets out, takes his helmet off and has a conversation. That would not happen. <laughs> once, yeah. once the Master Chief's in battle mode, like if you need to be on the ship and you need to take your helmet off to have a conversation, sure. If you're contracted to have your helmet off of a certain amount of time, Sure. But be careful about it. If the Master Chief is going into battle, that helmet better stay on the entire time. That's my opinion. The promotional yeah. artwork for the show, the Master Chief should always have the helmet on, period. He should never have, the, like, the like the poster artwork, the promotional stuff for the television things, helmet on all the time. Yeah. Pablo Schreiber, Pablo Schreiber quoted saying, I think it is impossible to evoke emotion when you can't see the face react and i'm gonna say it one more time mandalorian darth vader i don't yeah. like you're completely wrong <laughs> and i know that i don't have any skin in the game and i'm not an actor with a mask over my face but darth vader and the mandalorian are examples enough that you can emote physical emotions just through your physicality Katie Sackhoff just did an interview where they were asking her about her helmet for the Mandalorian. And she said her favorite scenes are with the helmet on because she loves trying to figure out how to do the emotion through physical action because they can't see her face. So yeah. don't tell me that you can't do it and it's impossible. However, Pablo Schreiber said the following people who don't feel the helmet was necessary to come off. They're such an they're at such an early conception of what the show should could be. In order to examine the discrepancy between these two versions of the character, Chief and John 117, you can't tell that story without taking the helmet off. If you don't agree with the helmet coming off in the show, you don't like our show. So there's no point discussing it. Um, again, I get it on some level. I don't on others. And so I, I don't know how I feel. Now, all the reports are saying that the new season is amazing it's incredible it's dark it's gritty it's what they what the first season should have been they're referring to it as a reboot as if the first season never actually happened uh which i think is interesting so maybe i'll watch the second season and enjoy it you know what i mean let's pretend the first season never happened and just enjoy it so yeah i don't know i just 
when I saw the quote, it made me go, dude, you need to embrace this fandom. Don't piss them off. <laughs> yeah. Don't anger well, your fans by, like, arguing for the show. Like, you should be the guy going, I shouldn't be taking my helmet off right now and arguing with the execs. And then when the execs tell you otherwise, you can come to the fans and say, hey, look, I argued for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what you should be doing. There, there's a lot to go off of. What There's, like, so many things to go off of. And I don't want to go yeah, on and on. You could be on that all night. Yeah. You know what I mean? I Part of me wonders if the quote was taken out of context, but because it seems so divisive, it's the perfect quote for like a million uh, news sources to start writing articles about and piss people off and basically engagement farm off of this. Like, you got to keep that in mind. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that like Master Chief is obviously a character who should keep his helmet on. And I kind of feel like it's more of a director's problem as opposed to the actor like the director needs to figure out how to make this character emote and then instruct the actors how to do that even if they have to wear a helmet the whole time and like you said the mandalorian did such a good such a good job of it like for the majority of the scenes that you have din jaren he does not have the helmet on and uh, he was able to do a performance that captivated a number of people um this has been a problem that has been going on since, like, I remember watching Spider-Man 3 when uh, Topher Grace turned into Venom, and every time he delivered a line of dialogue, the Venom has like peeled Venom away. Face face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I just want to see Venom talk. Like, I want to see him slobbering and that tongue, you know, out of his mouth and stuff. And I, I feel like it is a problem that's still pretty apparent in superhero films, Um in my opinion. So I, there's honestly more I could say, but I don't want to do like what you're saying with the Oscars and turn this into like, this is all we talk about, but. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, well that said, do you want to jump into tonight's list? Oh, sure thing. All right. Um, well that being said, let's do this list time. So we're going to roll the thing and we'll be right back. for the top five all right peter this was um well your pick so why don't you explain it because (laughs) yeah go ahead explain it (laughs) so i don't know why this list idea popped in my head um last week but we did our top five Zack snyder uh movies for last week's episode and that's an incredibly short list like i feel like it's only like nine or ten films or something and uh, I got the idea for tonight's list, and uh, it's another very short list. But I was like, if there's ever a time to do it, why not just hit you back with another list with not a lot of uh, items? But uh, this is a list that uh, I really love. Some of my favorite um, comedy movies are within these parameters, and that's our top five Saturday Night Live films. Um so I, I guess I was specifically talking about mo- or films that are based on um, Saturday Night Live sketches. But uh, when you look it up online, there is there does seem to be a little bit of um, divisiveness when it comes to what qualifies something as a Saturday Night Live film and doesn't. Um, I tried to be pretty strict. I kind of went based on the Wikipedia list of like, you know, the very finite <laughs> 
<laughs> 12 or 15 movies or or whatever it is that are Saturday Night Live uh, films. But if there is some uh, wavering there between our lists, uh, that's that's no problem. It just adds to yeah. the discussion. But uh, yeah. what what do you think of this one, Drew? Oh, I think we're going to match a ton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we might match we're, for every we're single We're probably going to match on every one, <laughs> which is fine, because we just want to have the conversations. So ultimately, it's our top five list. You know? uh, but yeah, so seriously, like, there's not a lot. There's like 12 or 10 or 12 films total in this, like, to pull from in terms of what yeah. you know. So there, there was more than Zack Snyder, though. <laughs> so. uh, sure, but... Okay. Um, but yeah, so I don't have any honorable mentions tonight. Same. I don't have any Ooh, honorable I, mentions this Hold week, on a so. second. I don't know what I was thinking. So I somehow, for whatever reason, kind of opened stuff up. I had web pages open to talk about movies, but <laughs> never but I never opened the spreadsheet so I can play along. Um, so we'll take a quick minute for it to open, which it's open. We're good to go. Um, like I said, I have no honorable mentions. What did you say you had? I had, I have none either this time. So this is like a first that would neither of us have honorable mentions. So <laughs> going into the first actual pick of the night, um, I went with, um, yeah, I'll go with it. Okay. Uh, Coneheads. Oh, classic. Um, Coneheads. Okay. So it's essentially, it's the sketch about, you know, the, the alien family who decided to <laughs> migrate to Earth and try and live on Earth amongst the humans. And um, it's, I, I remember the sketch on the show, I didn't find nearly as funny, but the movie for some reason I thought was hilarious and I watched it a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. I watched that movie several times, probably because one, it's funny, but two, it was on TV a lot. Like I remember it airing all the time. Like they would just like, it was one of those movies that they'd run over and over and over again. Um, but you know, you got Chris Farley as the boyfriend or whatever, which is hilarious. Um, like when they, uh, when she's like, do you want to have intercourse? And he's like, yeah. And she puts the like thing on his head, like the little like wreath <laughs> thing or whatever, because it's like, it's different for them because they're aliens and they come home and like, what the heck? And he's like, nothing happened because nothing happened. <laughs> um, but then, uh, but yeah, no, the movie, I just thought the movie was really funny and really well put together. Um, and I think it's interesting that I thought the movie was funnier than like a better representation than the sketch itself but yeah thoughts yeah there's something about the film that um because it's presented in the parameters of a movie you have i think you have a little bit more of an emotional attachment to the characters as opposed to like on saturday night live it's just like okay it's coneheads they're weird aliens like i don't get it but in the movie they actually like make you like identify with like Dan Aykroyd's uh backstory and stuff like that um we matched of course this is one of my top five yeah, favorite we're match match. live films this one was a fun one to watch as a kid because it has those sci-fi elements like do you want to see weird alien stuff do you want to see some slapstick gag humor do you want to see the end of the movie end with like a giant gladiator alien battle scene like that sounds awesome and uh the, this movie had all those things but it's also one of those movies that 
I loved as a kid and I probably got like half of the jokes and then I grew up and watched it and realized how many jokes I didn't get and that was really fun too. There's a couple um I don't know if I want to say graphic. There's a couple like pretty adult jokes that uh I mean it's up to you if you want to watch the movie with your kid, but I saw the movie in grade school and I loved it. Uh it's really the uh the chewing gum parts if you remember that, Drew. Uh, those, I had no idea what oh, the cone yeah. heads were chewing on. <laughs> I thought they were just balloons. I got older, realized that's not what they were, which was pretty funny. But uh, this one's a classic, and I think it's a bit of a uh, forgotten gem in the way that you don't hear cone heads referenced a lot. And like every once in a blue moon, something will happen in my daily life where I'll reference cone heads. Like I'll reference the idea of like, vacuuming the floor with like the tube from the vacuum cleaner hooked up to your mouth they're like you know some crazy coneheads gag and when you refresh people's memory of this movie i think they remember it pretty fondly i just think in this day day and age it's kind of slept on quite a bit you know i wish it had more of a cultural prevalent or present presence is what i was trying to say so yeah um yeah so like i said we're gonna match on all these i guarantee it um (laughs) And I got to go first, so it's going to be match, 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 match. Yep, you kind of um, decide the list. All right. Um, Night at the Roxbury. Yep, we matched. Uh, I figured. <laughs> all right. So Night at the Roxbury. Um, this movie. All right. So this sketch killed me every week. Oh, yeah. Um, I I think I could be wrong, but I really do think the Jim Carrey the episode he hosted was the very first time they did the night at the Roxbury sketch. Um, I could be wrong on that. I might want to Google it. Um, but I, I really do think he was the, that he was the first, um, host for that. And it's just literally three guys at a nightclub, like bobbing their heads to the music or whatever. And it's like, we're going to pick up chicks. Like that is like literally the simplest thing. And Will Ferrell, um, had a, uh, he was telling, I saw him in an interview with asking him about where they came up with that. And he said he was out with some friends one night, um, at one of the night at a nightclub. And there was a guy just bobbing his head like that at the bar. Like he was just bobbing, <laughs> yeah. like he didn't do anything other than order drinks and bob his head. And they thought it was yeah. really funny. So like, we're going to make a whole sketch out of this guy. Um, but then you go yeah. into the movie, but then you go into the movie itself and like, dude, the whole point is we're going to make a nightclub. And um, but it's going to be a nightclub about waiting about the outside. Like you wait in line to go outside. So when you get in the nightclub, it's like a street. <laughs> like, the idea of that's hilarious. Um, yeah, the, the inside out club or whatever. Yeah. The inside out club or whatever. And then like all of the bits were like the guy was like, did you just touch my ass? And he's like, sir, I could not have physically touched your ass from across the room. Like, you oh, know, God. Yeah, like, I remember like that. that like that. Like, you always love a good running gag. And then, like, he calls the guy on the phone. He's like, dude, did you just touch my ass? Like, he's like, dude, I'm across yeah. the street. Like, yeah, well, there's the part where the, the secretary or something walks in and just, like, so-and-so just called from Florida to let you know he didn't grab your ass. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, classic. Um, the, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Um, the, the bit, I loved the bit where Chris Kattan... He's on the phone. He calls the operator to like flirt with the girl, like the operator girl. Oh yeah. Um, that's like very early in the movie, but I always found that scene funny. 
Um, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, hold on. I'll just make the phone call. And then he calls the operator. You know what I mean? Like, it's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. Your thoughts on the movie? No, th- this is a, h- a f- hilarious one. Um, I do like that you mentioned the origin of uh, these characters because I think it's so funny. I think it's probably pretty similar to the origin of like the uh, Lonely Island song, Turtleneck and Chain. I feel like that song probably has a oh very God. similar, <laughs> similar Dude, origin. I know this is but, a big tangent, but Turtleneck and Chain is such a <laughs> wonderfully funny song. Like, when you realize what it is, when you realize what they're saying, over, like, they're literally saying turtleneck and chain over and over and over and over and over again. But it's so poetic, they find a different way to say it every time they say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Anyway. <laughs> the bass the bass in that song is pretty amazing, too. But, uh, no, so this this movie is hilarious. This is one of those... When I was, like, in sixth or seventh grade, there was a couple movies that were just, like, the coolest comedy movies ever and those movies were things like the wedding singer uh the austin or austin powers and uh night at the roxbury like this is one of those like coveted movies from my junior high years and this is another one that i remember like going to sleepovers with friends and just watching this movie and thinking it's amazing but then you watch it when you're older and you're like okay these guys are just rich pieces of crap who go clubbing all the time but they find their dream and they uh open their own club and i love how the the whole inside out club concept that they uh come up with is so funny because the reason they wanted the club to be inside out is because they could never get into the clubs they wanted to go to (laughs) they're always stuck outside waiting in the line and that's why they wanted the outside of the club to feel like the inside of a club and have it be cool like that and i I always thought that concept was so funny but uh no this this movie's great i love the whole um the thing they do with their noses like how they're rubbing their fingers on their noses that's another thing where it's like as a kid you just think it's a funny gag and then you get older and you're like no, they were probably snorting hard drugs in the bathroom, and that's why they're doing that and stuff like that. There's so many jokes that go over your head when you first watch these movies. But um, no, this is a great one. I've always loved it. Uh, me and one of my best friends in uh, junior high were in a theater class where we had to uh, we had a project where we had to. Uh, lip sync to a song in the class and uh we actually show or chose what is love by hadaway from this movie and lip sync to it and we pretty much just stood up in front of class and bobbed our heads and acted like the night at the roxbury guys so it uh it was pretty great yeah awesome <laughs> and it's funny because i can't i can't hear that song now without bobbing my head or laughing at that <laughs> right <movie>. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, because it's a really good song when it comes to, like, 90s, like, club music, but it's just forever entrenched into the lore of that movie, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's like you can't enjoy the song without thinking of it, you know? Yeah. Anyway, um, all right, moving on. Uh, my next pick for the night is Wayne's World 2. Um, awesome. The sequel. Um, This, man... I, I have a feeling we'll talk about Wayne's World. It's the, the the first one at some point, but um, I loved Wayne's World too. Just the continuation of it, um, the idea that Wayne's going to put on a concert, the weird naked Indian guy, Rip Torn, uh, Christopher Walken <laughs> was phenomenal. I love the bit with the the guys um, 
walking. Uh, it's the the guys carrying the chickens back and forth, and the grocery guys like then the guys moving the glass across the street back and forth, and like how that turns into a running gag. Uh, the village people gag the like, and they like <laughs> they took this one like they basically took the Wayne's World concept and turned it up to eleven. You know what I mean? Um, I love the handsome Dan radio bit. <laughs> oh yeah, um, oh yeah. When uh, the guy the radio host is not listening to him and they're just like, and you're a complete tool. And he's like, uh huh. Like <laughs> he's just uh huh, uh huh. Like you're a so freak good. with a microphone. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the Charlton Heston bit. Um, when he's trying to find the like the chapel and Charlton Heston has the cameo and he's telling him the story and he's like, can you get on with it already? <laughs> like, nice. Can we get this is the best you could do. Couldn't we get a better actor? And they bring in Charlton Heston and he's still like, OK, hurry up with your story. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I haven't watched uh, Wayne's World 2 in a while, but I absolutely love it. Um, the Wayne stock thing. One of my favorite bits is when um, the guy. I'm drawing a blank on his. I'm drawing a blank on the character's name, but he's the guy they get from England to help them like set up the concert. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, he's talking about like it takes two people to run a concert, and he's explaining how it works, and then he mentions that you'll have two um, uh, mini guns mounted on each side of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I just. It's. I love it. Anyway, talk about Wayne's World, man. So. I have the IMDb page pulled up, so I was able to look up. That was Del Preston, was the uh, sort of England, uh, you know, like show organizer guy that they had to recruit. But he uh, he did always had such a good job of like he starts saying something, and the the two like machine gun turrets are like a perfect example of this, where he'll start to he'll start to describe something and you'll be like okay okay sounds good and then it just gets so zany and ridiculous by the end but uh to me this movie is you have wayne's world which was great and this movie was just the continuation where everything got bigger and better but it was really just like a continuation of like these characters you love and it's it's almost like the plot doesn't matter i'm just in it to <laughs> hang out with wayne and garth and see right. the crazy gags and stuff i love uh this movie has like one of the best parts is when uh wayne is doing the like kung fu fight scene against uh uh Cassandra. This, right? <laughs> what's that we matched on this right Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we did match on this. I didn't mention. <laughs> but I love that kung fu fight scene and how the uh, the gags that work both like physical gags with how they're fighting each other, but also how the dubbed um, dialogue <laughs> matches up to their mouth and stuff like that. And uh, my other favorite part, I think my absolute favorite part of the movie is the village people sequence, because I love the idea of them spying like Wayne and his friends are all spying on Cassandra who's out to eat with uh Christopher Walken's character who's like her record producer and they're all spying on her and they're wearing these costumes like Garth is a policeman and Wayne is a construction worker and stuff and how they have to run away and they run into the bar and then it's discovered that they're all the village people but you don't see it until they're in the bar. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's so cartoony, but it's so funny. And it's one of those, in my head, it's something I go to. Anytime somebody's joking about, like, spying on somebody, I'm always picturing them as Wayne, as, like, the lineman with, like, the fake mustache on top of the power line. Like, it always goes there for me. And uh, it's just so funny from a visual standpoint. So this movie's great. Um 
Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, we'll have, believe me, we'll have more to talk about Wayne's World. So, yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, the next one on my list was Blues Brothers. Okay. We matched again. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured. Let's be real. Um, Blues Brothers is, uh, this movie's great. What I don't remember because I haven't watched it in a while, but I did. This is an. This is actually a quite lengthy movie, uh, for what it was. But I, you know, um, it was a what? It's a lengthy movie. It's a lot. Oh, okay, yeah. I, it's a lot longer than I remember. Um, but no, this movie's great. I mean, ultimately, it's it's ultimately it is a musical if you think about it. Um, but you know, it's it's the guys they're trying to save the. They're trying to save the orphanage. They got to get the band back together to do it. So it's like a road trip movie to get the band back together. And as they go, they're, you know, singing the songs and, you know, making everyone realize that they got to be a part of the Blues Brothers. And, you know, everyone's got to come see them. Um, the police get heavily involved and it becomes a chase movie at the same time. <laughs> yes. Um, the police chases are dynamite, man. The police chase through the mall. They drive the car through the mall the cops chase them they're crashing stores they're knocking things over it's just it's relentless how long that chase goes then you have the car chase at the end of the movie where you're just destroying all the police cars because they're just you know what i mean um there's the swat scene the hut 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 scene which i love because that still is made fun of today that still gets referenced today and i think a lot of people don't realize you know what what they're making a joke at um the there's some really decent one-liners carrie fisher man from star wars is like you know in love with jake is it jake she is in love with so jake's john belushi i'm tr I'm trying to i'm drawing a blank because she's in and love El with elwood is dan Aykroyd. if that's yeah she's drawing a blank she's in love with one of them i'm drawing a yeah. blank which one it is and like but because of it she's like super jealous but she's like kind of psycho she's like you see her like reading like weapon manuals <laughs> and she eventually at one point she's got a rocket launcher you know what i mean like it's <laughs> it's so ridiculous and that line that we're 100 miles 106 miles from chicago we got a full tank of gas or half a pack of cigarettes and a full tank of gas and we're wearing it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses <laughs> you know i yeah. love that line um but yeah, no, this movie's great um, from the beginning to end. Uh, there's so many big celebrity cameos like Ray Charles and, you know, like in terms of like the blues. Um, uh, yeah. Music, the music blues music world. There's so many cameos in this. Um, yeah, there's there's like I, I'm glad you touched on that because that's something I was going to mention is that there's, you know, uh, Aretha Franklin and James Brown. And there's a number of just big name musical artists in this movie and it's so cool because it is this is probably like the only saturday night live live movie that was like besides the humor of it it was also honoring like the music <laughs> of everything in a way that right. i don't think any of the other ones did you know yeah, yeah yeah uh any thoughts on any other thoughts on yeah i i kind of wish that i rewatched this because i'm i'm kind of fuzzy on those uh Carrie Fisher details you were mentioning, but this is like, I feel like this is like the classic Saturday Night Live movie. Like this is the one that everyone goes back to, I think because of not just the cameos, but maybe because when it was first made, it might've been like kind of like a first of its kind as far as like adapting. And I don't know if this was the first Saturday Night Live movie that they did, but I feel like it kind of 
is historic in the way that it adapted a SNL sketch into mm-hmm. a film in this way. And I think the movie holds a lot of historic presence because of both of uh, those reasons. But this movie is it's just it's just filled with those sort of lines of dialogue. Um, you have like the penguin character who's like the nun that they have to visit towards the beginning of the movie. <laughs> And how it's like, it's almost like she has super penguin character. (laughs) She almost has super natural powers in like a creepy way where like she glides across the floor without walking (laughs) and like the door automatically opens and closes without anybody touching it. Uh, That stuff's just hysterical, but I really got an appreciation from for this movie uh, when one time I was watching it and I realized by the time you get to the end of the film and actually the mall cap chase is another good example of this. But when you get to the end of the film and uh, you have like hundreds of cops chasing after Jake and Elwood and there's like this crazy chase scene, the way that the cops cars move are so funny and like a slapstick way because you have like. You have, like, tens, like, you've got double digits of cop cars screeching to a halt and crashing into each other. And when you you watch some of those scenes, it is so hilarious. I don't know if this is true, but one thing that I've heard before is that the city of Chicago is still in debt because of the property damage that was caused by filming uh, the Blues Brothers. (laughs) And again, I don't know if that's true. But it makes me wonder because of how many crazy stunts they did with, like, the cop cars and stuff. And keeping that in mind, I know there's a weird thing. Um, Our podcast is in the Chicagoland area, so we talk about local stuff like that sometimes. But there is this weird thing where for many years, uh, Chicago didn't have a lot of movies filmed there. And uh, within the last decade or two, that's actually increased a lot. Like we had Transformers 3, I want to say, was filmed out here. We had Man of Steel. We had The Dark Knight. There's a number of movies that have been filmed in Chicago now. But there was like a really big drought of movies filmed this way for a while and i don't know if it's true but in my own personal headcanon i always thought that the blues brothers might have been a big reason for that (laughs) and i don't know if i want to research it because i kind of want that to be true and i don't want to be disappointed so (laughs) that's kind of my thoughts on that whole thing but a great film and uh yeah. yeah yeah um all right well um my Final uh, pick for the night is Wayne's World 1. Yep, that's uh, mine I, as well. I feel like this is, I, I honestly think this might be the first Center at Live movie I did see. Um, and it captured my imagination in a big, bad way, man. Like, and I think, I think what really cemented this movie, I really do say this, is the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody car sequence. At the oh, beginning. yeah. I think this really cemented the movie, even when you just watch the trailer for the film. It really landed for everybody. Like everyone had, everybody had to see Wayne's World at the time. I've I've shown that scene to my four year old son, and he loves it. <laughs> he thinks it's awesome. So <laughs> that can speak to the timelessness of that scene. But uh, no, keep going. <laughs> no, it's just literally about two guys essentially doing a podcast in their basement. That's true. You know, it's a television <laughs> show, but essentially they're doing a podcast. They're basically guerrilla radioing it. You know what I mean? They're the pioneers. And um, they're doing their show and they get picked up by basically almost like an MTV kind of network and they got to go do it professionally. And it kind of falls apart on them a little bit. 
Um, and they got to go back to the roots. It's, it's the, the fame got to him storyline. Um, but it's, it's so like Dana Carvey is just brilliant in this movie. Uh, Mike Myers is brilliant in this movie. It's, it really is like, that's one, it's one thing to do the sketch on Saturday Night Live and then you got to go do it big budget and you don't lose anything from, you know, you don't lose anything from the sketch to the movie, like the translation and stuff, you know? So, um, there's so many wonderful bits. Um, I love the, uh, like the, the sponsorship joke. It's great. Um, every time they make fun of Rob Lowe is fantastic because, uh, well, like they don't make fun of him, but like they're all impressed by him or like the scene when, um, when Rob Lowe is getting them, I know, I feel like I'm all over the place. The scene where they're, uh, he, Rob Lowe is getting him to sign the contract to do the show professionally. And Garth is like, I dropped my pen and then gives the camera the look like, come down here. <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, he's like, why does this guy have contracts? Do you remember that episode of the Twilight Zone where the guy signed the contract and they cut out his tongue and they put it in a jar and it didn't die? It just grew and pulsated and gave birth to baby tongues. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> like, like it's things like that. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, talk about Wayne's World, man, because I feel like I'm kind of all over the place trying to get it all out. So just since you were talking about that Garth sequence, because I feel like there's so many jokes and bits that are about like, you know, like Wayne and Garth, they're kind of like those like hair metal like burnout guys you go to high school with or whatever but there's so many jokes like past music there's so many pop culture jokes when it comes to like the twilight zone episode thing and uh, i know wayne's got like some great lines about like (laughs) the original star trek versus the next generation and like there's so many bits and i think this movie did such a good job of like making it like yeah these are like the burnout metalhead kids from high school but they showed showcase them in such a glorified way that like at least me like watching this movie as a kid i was always just like wayne and garth are the coolest people ever like i just always <laughs> thought they were like such right. cool characters like oh i want to have friends like that sort of thing um i saw this movie as a like at a very young age and i just love this film i'm always down to watch it in fact at one point um i had a college apartment when i was going to school where i had so I had some DVDs, but I didn't have a DVD player, <laughs> but I had a TV in my room and a VCR. But the problem was the only three uh, VHS tapes I had was Fight Club, Willy Wonka and Wayne's World, <laughs> which were are a very weird mix. But uh, anybody I've told that to is like, yeah, that's a weird mix, but those are three awesome movies. And I'm like, I know I used to watch those constantly. Um, I've seen Wayne's World so many times. It's it's one of those movies that has so many quotable lines. Um, It's another thing where it's like it's like Blues Brothers. I don't think it's held to as high of regard when it comes to like harsh, like cinema critics and stuff. But I think it's like Blues Brothers as in that it's like this sort of cultural touchstone and it's like perfectly 90s it feels so much of the era it's from but it also feels timeless and uh it fits in a weird spot in the timeline like that but uh no this this is a great movie i think it's it's really on point um one of my favorite parts of the movie is how you have this 
underground public access low budget show and it gets bought up by this corporate studio and when they first like the first episode that wayne's world airs and you hear the theme song and the theme song goes from this like rough around the edges like wayne playing this like crappy metal theme song on his electric guitar and it turns into this cringy this cringy like uh easy rock sort of song and that like it stuff like that in the movie is so on point when it comes to the dichotomy of like the underground versus the mainstream and stuff like that and i think the movie has so many self-aware aspects to that and i feel like this review is pretty vague but um i I'm know like, i feel like we're reviewing it in the sense that everyone's seen wayne's world and yeah I'm, and I, and i know I, that's I do... not the case so i <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you dug into a lot of the bits, and that's why I'm kind of like commenting it on on it vaguely. But I think I think there's a genius to the way the film's made because it does feel like so on the pulse in ways that are still pretty relevant. You know, when it comes to like two guys made a thing, like let's say they made a podcast, and then it gets picked up by a big studio, and the problems you can go through. It's like a tale as old as, as time sort of thing so that's awesome but no this movie's great i'm just like i keep thinking of other bits like i think about like when they're first going to um i can't remember the name of the metal bar they would go to um i'm, I'm gonna remember it Gas after works. this episode Gasworks, yes when they're going there and uh wayne's like so who's playing tonight and uh the bouncer <laughs> the bouncer who's played by meatloaf of course is like oh it's so and so and uh the shitty beatles <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, oh the shitty beatles, beatles are they any <laughs> keep going keep going are they any good <laughs> you know <laughs> no they're horrible oh so it's not just a clever uh you know band name but no yeah. great great stuff so i don't know if you had any final comments that's kind of my vague review of the no, whole thing really. it's the best one if you've never seen wayne's world you know you really it's i feel like of all this list go watch wayne's world like everything we talked about tonight, that's the one you should. That's the takeaway that you everyone needs to watch. Um, I mean, if I'd you, say watch I, watch it in a group too, if you've never yeah, seen I mean, it, because I think ever, it's okay, yeah, yep, watch it in the group. But I was just thinking to myself, if you have never played in the street and had to yell "car," like you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> you're really you're just missing out. Um, all right, well that brings us to the end of this list. Peter, do you want to know what we're going to talk about next week? Yeah, let's go for it. I'm gonna throw you. I'm gonna throw you an interesting one next week. I want to talk about. I'm, I'm I'm making this fictional characters, okay? So I don't want any real world stuff. It's got to be fictional, fictional characters. Fictional okay. characters. Fiction. The sad character deaths. The ones that really got you. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So like the so like the ones that like the death scene happened and you're like, oh man, that one hurt a little bit. <laughs> you know, like the ones that really got you. So I just thought that'd be a fun conversation because I don't think we've never talked about like the death side of it. So not like I'm trying to like get a downer, like let's start talking about death, but you know what I mean. So this is a pretty creative list. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it might be a bit of a downer, but no, this is a creative list. I think this is. Uh, Really interesting. This kind of catches me off guard, so it'll be fun. Well, it to, depends uh, on how it got you, know. you because it depends on how I got you because when I came up with the idea, there's one character I thought of. I don't know if it'll make my list, but there was one character I thought of that it didn't get me on that I'm sad list. It got me on it. It got me on that angry list. Like I was mad that it happened. You know what I mean? Oh, so, okay. So like 
the ones that really got you, you know, for whatever reason, you know, so. All right, then. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Anyway, so um, let's uh, excuse me that uh, I had a, I felt like I was in a cough there. Um, if you're OK, man, let's toss this episode in the can. And yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. All right. Everybody do us all a favor. Check out our website, top five report dot um, com. They'll find links to our social media along with a link to our email, top five report at gmail dot com. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. Um, you can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I'll be talking about the funny feeling I get when climbing the rope in gym class. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if they still do that in gym class, which is sad, because they shouldn't. Um, True. (laughs) All right. For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening.